Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. From a professional aspect, effectively, Carolina told you they didn't want you anymore. Is there any bitterness there, Ron? No, there's no reason to be bitter. You know, I went did the best I could. Um, and when, you know, when it was time to move on, um, David Tepper treated me with tremendous dignity and respect. He really did. He gave me an opportunity to say goodbye, and I really appreciated that. Um, and what's really kind of cool, kind of speaks to who he is. When we played him here, he did a, uh, he did a Rivera Strong uh, as well. So, um, you know, I got a tremendous amount of respect for what he's, what, what he's doing there right now, um, what they're trying to do in terms of their rebuild as well. Um, but there is, there is no bitterness. I mean, if there is anything, it's just, you know, just miss, uh, just miss the folks and the friends we had in Charlotte. Ron Rivera with the very reasonable and calm answer, even though the questioner tried to stir it up a little bit. They basically told you to pack your stuff and get the hell out of here. You suck. What do you have to say to that, Ron? I mean, it was just a half click below that, and he didn't take it. I like the restraint from Ron Rivera. Yeah, he's amazing. He's he's always like that. He's got such a great, calm demeanor about him, and that's why he's you know been a really damn good coach for a long time. Uh, and, you know, again, I think he understands the business. He's seen all angles of it. He was a player. You know, this this time comes at, at all times for everybody. It's the most humbling sport in the world as far as that's concerned. And he's on to the next challenge. He's grateful for that. And uh, he's got enough things to worry about with his own Washington football team and getting them in the right place, you know, let alone worrying about, you know, the past and, and what happened in Carolina. They got that victory over the Buccaneers on Sunday that – has maybe given the Washington football team a little bit of a kick in the butt. And now Ron Rivera not only goes back to Carolina, but he goes back to face a quarterback that he probably didn't think would be playing for Carolina anymore. And Rivera told me on Sunday he's got his file of plays to be used against Cam Newton if he ever comes across Cam Newton. Again, I'm sure he never expected to come across Cam Newton in Bank of America, America Stadium in Charlotte. But it's looking like it will indeed be Cam Newton starting. Here is Panthers coach Matt Rule from yesterday admitting that it is trending toward Cam Newton over P.J. Walker as the starter week 11 when Washington and Ron Rivera come to town. I think we're probably trending that way, to be quite honest with you. I just, you know, I, I'm not going to probably 
pull that trigger till later. But I think that you know, I, I mean, I was pretty transparent the other day uh, in terms of you know we're wanting to we're wanting to push him. I think um, into that well, I think it's you know good for our team. But um, um, you know, we're getting PJ ready as well, and uh, I think uh, as I said, you know, I think game plan wise, we you know we could we could see a we could see a myriad of different things happen. And. This is what's fascinating to me, and you've talked at length about how the NFL may be catching up to the Joe Brady offense and this belief that they're spending their time teaching Cam Newton the Joe Brady offense. I think they need to be teaching Joe Brady the Cam Newton offense, but at the same time, you have a guy coming to town that knows Cam Newton better than anyone in the NFL does and that anyone in the NFL ever will. Nine years with Cam Newton from the day he was drafted. That's when Ron Rivera got Cam Newton, their careers in Carolina, identical. They arrived the same year. They left the same year. So I this is a hell of a challenge for Matt Rule and Joe Brady to come up with an approach to use Cam Newton when they're just getting acquainted with him when the guy that's going to be defending the Cam Newton offense knows him as well as he possibly could. Yeah. That is, to me, a fascinating wrinkle to this game. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it definitely is. And Ron Rivera having a you know a defensive background and all that, yeah, I'm sure he's he's going to have some good ideas on how to defend maybe some of the, the power run game stuff that Cam Newton does, certainly. Yeah, probably has a good feel for what routes Cam likes to throw or he'll sit on this route too long and not move on to the next three or whatever. Yeah, he's going to have some knowledge there. But I don't think it should like, you know, deter, 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 deter. What is deter, that? Deter, deter. Thank deter. you. Right. That, that should not stop. Not deterred. Not <laughs> yeah, deterred. Right. Let's, Unless you're past tense. Yeah. I'm not talking about it that way. Yeah. Deter. Yeah. Deter. It should not deter the Carolina, I, I think, coaching staff from kind of approaching it the way you said, where, yeah, we got our offense and we got our stuff we do here. But, you know, let's infuse some of the Cam Newton stuff that he does well and that gives us an advantage, you know, for our complete football team. Again, I think that's where I just look at Carolina right now, and I think we're past the point of thinking like, whoa, their offense is going to get it back together, and they're going to start throwing the ball all over the lot and look like the team they did early in the year. That, that's, that's not going to happen. That ship's, you know, sailed and gone. You know, but what they can do is with McCaffrey back, they, the Cam Newton runs, physical running the football with McCaffrey, an occasional shot down the field to DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, a few screen passes to them, some quick passes to McCaffrey out of the backfield where they can play power football and still be dangerous and make you defend the whole field and, more importantly, play through their defense, which their defense is great. It's a great defense. It really is. You know, their biggest issue is, again, is like we talk about with a lot of defense. Like the Carolina Panthers' defense is number six in football. To me – it's better than that. It really is, but you know, it's the old thing we always talk about. Man, it's just they have to be on the field a whole lot there for a bunch of weeks because their offense was so stinky. So uh, I think you're going to see more of a complete team, a a a, a team complementary approach from Carolina here on out. And I think it speaks to like what you're saying with like Joe Brady learning the the Cam Newton offense and infusing that into his game plan with just a little bit of what he does to add to it, as is in Joe Brady. That makes sense to me, at least. And 
everybody in the NFC is alive except the Lions. Very much alive. Yeah. And this is a huge game for Washington if they want to pull their way into a chase for maybe a seven seed. Obviously, the NFC East title is, as a practical matter, out of reach, but they could still get a wild card. The Panthers in play for a wild card. In these games where you see the, the, the NFC contenders for five, six, seven seed crossing each other's paths, that's going to help sort all this out as we get closer and closer to determining who's going to get a spot on the playoff tree. But both of these teams are alive. And this game went from being just kind of one of those games you brush past to being a very compelling game on Sunday when Washington and Carolina get together at 1 o'clock Eastern. Another game that will be very compelling on Sunday, Chris. Two teams that originally were in Dallas, the Cowboys and the Texans, who became the Chiefs of Kansas City. They get there once every four years minimum, get together this weekend. We'll talk about that game as we do fill in the blank next on this Thursday edition of PFT Live. Did you grow up a Dallas Cowboys fan? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm from the, around that area. Um, so my dad was a big Dallas Cowboys fan. So I got to watch a lot of games growing up. Um, but uh, I won't be a fan this week for sure. Dallas Cowboys this weekend. There is the comparison. Both are MVP candidates, frankly, because there are so many MVP candidates right now. But Dak Prescott showing that. He can go toe-to-toe with the likes of Patrick Mahomes and the other great quarterbacks in the NFL, earning every penny of his $40 million per year salary on a four-year contract. So, Chris, as we play some fill-in-the-blank, the Cowboys-Chiefs game will come down to what? Dan Quinn's approach on the defensive side of the ball. you know, Because I expect the Cowboys to move the ball and have success against the Chiefs defense. And, and again, the Chiefs defense has been better. It has. It's been about four weeks in a row where it's been better. Now, I don't know if they're ready to stop the Cowboys offense. You know, like the little clip we just showed there from Steve Weish, like, hey, Cowboys offense, it's the real deal. I mean, there's really, there's no aspect of it that you can look at and go, oh, they're not that good in that area. I mean, they are phenomenal in all areas. The only time we've seen them slip up the whole year was two weeks ago just because Dak missed some throws and some plays. You know, but you you can't depend on that. That's not going to happen. Where I go with the Dan Quinn approach is when Dallas has had issues on defense this year, it's when, you know, they play a team too much man-to-man and that team's got weapons to beat their corners who are good but not great. Again, I know Trayvon Diggs has got all these interceptions, but he's also like one of the league leaders in getting burned for yards too. So there's a little bit of a give and take there. If Dan Quinn plays too much man-to-man, uh, which I think is what he really wants to do against this Chiefs unit, th- th- this game will be close and it'll be a coin toss type of football game. If he can have some good ways of playing zones and figuring out how to play the Chiefs, then I clearly give the Cowboys uh, the advantage. I think it's going to come down to the ability of the Chiefs to stop the running game of the Dallas Cowboys because the Cowboys can, even though they've got the high-octane offense, there's a combination here where you take advantage of your passing game from time to time, but you also become more methodical in your drives to reduce the amount of time that Patrick Mahomes is on the field. The frustration that he experiences when he's executing a drive and he's required to throw it underneath, that frustration will only be enhanced if he's 
having to wait and wait and sure, wait and sure. wait to get back on the field. And yeah. the Cowboys have a sufficiently diverse offense that they can get you with both. I think taking some steam out of the Chiefs offense by forcing them to be patient on the sideline and then being patient when they finally get in the game, that may be a key. And I think that may be the key to me. So if the Cowboys can grind it out on the ground, chew up clock, and create a a greater sense of urgency by Mahomes when he's on the field. Maybe that plays right into their hands. Yeah, I, I listen. I I don't disagree with anything you said there. You're you're right about that, and that's what's cool about Dallas. Even all the the firepower they have in the pass game, they really stay with the run. They're a run first football team, and of course we know they got a good old line and good running backs and everything. I mean, to me, the Cowboys, you know, the Cowboys, the Patriots. I'll throw the Eagles in there right now. The Browns have been a little colder. Those are the best running teams in football for my money. You know, when you just talk about purely like, let's give the ball to the running back and we're going to get yards through the traditional way, uh, the Cowboys are certainly in that conversation. So I I hear you there. You're not wrong. All right. After back-to-back weeks of big upsets in the NFL, blank is on upset alert for week 11. Who wow. The top of your I, list? Yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, I, I mean, I did look at like the spreads and saw like the saints are an underdog to the, to the Eagles, but I, that's not an upset. Okay. I think the one I look at that really jumps out for the, the sake of the exercise, I will, the, the Ravens versus the bears is a little scary, but I'll, I'll say the one that I really look at is the bills. I think the bills should be on upset alert for the, when the Indianapolis Colts, I think it's a tough matchup for them in a lot of ways. And, I could see the Colts giving them some issues there, uh, even though it is in Buffalo. So that's probably the, the one I'm going to look at and pick right here, the Buffalo Bills. Well, the Colts gave them everything they could handle in the playoffs right. last year. We forget about that uh-huh. one. I know I've forgotten about it several times since it happened. And Colts run the ball and stop the run. Exactly. Late November, outdoors, even though they're a dome team, run the ball and stop the run, and they can give the Bills everything they can handle. I'm going to say the Cardinals – Going to Seattle, yeah, Cardinals yeah. eight and two, That's Seahawks three and six, right? And I, I suspect the Cardinals aren't tremendous favorites, but they have some urgency here to avoid two losses in a row. Also, also the other one for me, Monday night, Tommy and company with the Giants mm. coming to town. Yeah. I think the fact that they've lost two in a row makes it more likely that they'll be on guard and ready to win. But anytime Brady plays the Giants, I keep my eyes open for a potential upset. Yeah, I hear you there. Those are two good ones for sure. You're right. I mean, in Seattle, of course, it's Russell's going to want to bounce back. They are truly at like, if we don't start stringing some big win, you know, a winning streak here together, they're going to be done. They're going to be done in two or three weeks here if they don't watch out. So uh, there is that. And I don't know. Again, we've seen the the Cardinals, what? They've lost two out of three. I, I am getting a little scared. Like, are they going to mess this up and blow a few games here like they did last year after they got the, uh, you know, the Kyler Murray, Hale Murray, Hale Murray game? Uh, I don't know why. I guess I'm a little – I don't think that's going to happen, but I guess I'm a little influenced by, by what we did see last year. But they took the Packers all the way down to the wire. They and They could have won that game. And yes. the Colt McCoy loss. I, hey, to go one and one with Colt McCoy right. and without Kyler Murray, if they can get Murray back for this game and get the win, then and it, it, it kind of reminds me of 2019 when the Chiefs didn't have Patrick Mahomes. They held it together without him. Yeah. They beat the Vikings, lost to the Packers. I think those were the two games that Matt Moore, Matt Moore started for the Chiefs that year. So uh, they got through it. They got the win at San Francisco. And and if he's back, they should be able to avoid a collapse. But we'll see. In a season full of surprises, 
the team I trust the most right now is who, Chris? All right. Well, it just uh, I think it's the Green Bay Packers. It's not necessarily – I don't think Green Bay is the best team. I don't. But I think you can trust them to be the most consistent. That's what I will say. I mean, for me, that, that they have been the most consistent team for the most part of the year. Uh, I, I don't look at it to go like, you know, other than week one, you know, a, a, every week is is really the same type of style play. Defense is good. Don't give up a lot of big plays. Hard to score touchdowns on them. The offense is efficient like we talk about. They got some good balance, and then Rodgers just makes a few plays that put them over the edge. Uh, I look at them as being the most consistent. I don't know if that consistency and execution is going to necessarily, you know, bring us to, oh, they just run through the NFC playoffs. You know, I worry about like kind of their high-end talent and the Jimmys and the Joes a little bit there. Uh, but I think as the one I trust, like what I'm going to get, I'm going to go with the Packers. I agree with you, especially because I think the table is set for them to be the one seed. And given that the season is backed up a week this year and the NFC championship is January 30, if it's anybody with the Buccaneers, as we said recently, if it's the Cardinals, if it's the Rams, if it's the Cowboys going to Green Bay for the NFC championship, I'm going to think that the oh. Packers are, are very likely to get back to the Super Bowl. But let's go back an hour. I'll let you have the Packers. And for the sake of argument, I'll just throw the Patriots out there. Yeah, I hear you. That's a team right. that I trust right now yeah. because, right. They, number one, they're firing all cylinders. Number two, they're winning consistently. And number three, they inexplicably continue to be overlooked. And yeah. that's not going to last much longer, especially if they beat the Titans next Sunday or the Bills the following week. They're either going to make their big splash onto the national scene and everyone's going to say, oh, crap, here we go again. Right. They are back. Uh, but I, I trust them right now, given how they have improved on the fly and they've become the team, as you said, that Bill Belichick wants them to be. Yeah, I, I agreed. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're definitely right, right there in that conversation. You, you know what you're going to get. You trust them. I think Tennessee's probably another team I'd throw into the mix there. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and even Dallas, you know, again, you just got to wipe away that game from two weeks ago where Dak Prescott didn't practice for two weeks. There is, you know, you know what you're going to get on a week-to-week basis from that football team. Everybody else, it does seem like it's just a little all over the place. And, yeah, it might translate into some wins from everybody else, but it's like, you know, the Ravens. You know, you look at them. You go, oh, yeah, they, you know, they win, but they have games where they won against Detroit where you're like, man, they look less than, but they won. You know, there's just been a lot of that from everybody this year, and uh, I think that's what's made it such a crazy year and going to make it a crazy playoffs. Cowboys really have a chance the next week to – underscore that they are high-end contenders yeah. with this game at Kansas City and then the Thanksgiving afternoon game against the Raiders because the Raiders are kind of trending the wrong Seems way. Like the Cowboys, it. I could see, have one of those old-school rollicking fall-asleep-at-halftime wins over the Raiders and just really make everyone say, whoa, right. we got to take the Cowboys very, very seriously down the stretch. All right, let's take a break. We'll give you some updates on quarterback injuries and there are a few of them heading into week 11 we'll do that when this thursday edition of pft live continues right after this around any corner within every battle and with the dawn of each new day the threat of the unexpected the unpredictable and the unrelenting lies in wait but marines will always be there they are the constant in the chaos no matter the battlefield Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat. 
protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Yeah, this is probably the most beat up I've ever been in my career. Um, it's not like it's one particular thing, it's multiple. Got a lot of crime out in Berea right now. <laughs> um, I thought you called the ambulance. I, I might have, I don't know. Uh, no, it, it's just that time of the year and, and things add up and just, uh, you know, a couple things after another. So it is what it is. You have to adapt. I mean, nobody's going to feel bad for you. It's, it's not an excuse. You just have to find a way to make a play. Baker Mayfield between the left shoulder injury that happened when he was making a tackle after an interception. If he had just done like Teddy <laughs> Bridgewater did, he maybe wouldn't be so banged up right now. Not to dust off an old topic from earlier in the week, but it is one of the reasons why you avoid contact if you're a quarterback. And he got crunched this weekend by Matthew Judon. Knee contusion. And this is a struggle now for the Browns. Five and five. Who would have thought they'd be in this mess where they're middle of the pack. A lot of teams in the AFC over 500. They are not one of them. It's going to be a fight for them down the stretch to get to the playoffs. And even if they get there, Chris, I don't think they're ready to go toe to toe with the best teams in the conference. Yeah. Not right now. That, that's for sure. I mean, that that's what's, you know, yeah, that just a little all over the place. It is disappointing. Like you said, it just, I never would have thought they would be sitting here, not with the way they ended last year, not with the not you know with the way that you know they outplayed Kansas City Chiefs in a lot of ways in that divisional playoff game and it just we all looked at it and went man another year another year in that system they added a little talent to the team you just went I I don't see how they they won't be good or a major player but yeah they're teetering on if they don't watch out they're not going to make the playoffs at all as being one of the most talented teams in football I mean man Baker's got to be beat up definitely. And I, I think it's a scary game to Detroit this week. I do. I mean, Detroit's O-line is healthy. You know, they got everybody back. And now with Taylor Decker left tackle and Sene, uh, uh, you know, the, the first Sene. Penny Sewell. Yes, yeah, right. Penny Sewell, Penny Sewell right. <laughs> Sene, Sene Puel, I was messing that up. Sorry. Him back over at right tackle. Uh, they got an offensive line that can sit, maybe run the ball on the Browns like the Patriots did last week. Um, but – yeah, just disappointing altogether, and I feel for Baker Mayfield. You know that was he took some big shots in that game last week. After the after the Lions, they've got the Ravens sandwich coming up. Week twelve, Sunday night football, then a bye, then the Ravens after the bye. I'm not a big fan of teams from the same division playing each other so closely in time, and I think there was didn't they do last that last year? year before they 
Before they reshuffled the schedule due to COVID, I think the Jets and Dolphins were supposed to play on the back end of a bye. Right. One of the two teams, or it ended up that way because of the reshuffling. But this is obviously as scheduled. Browns have the Ravens going into the bye, the Ravens coming out of the bye. But it may be literally bye, as in goodbye, for the Browns if they get swept by the Ravens, no matter what happens on Sunday against the Detroit Lions. The Cardinals desperately need Kyler Murray back. We talked about that earlier. He was limited in practice on Wednesday. He says he feels pretty close to returning. I was told Sunday he's got a a good chance. It depends on how it all continues to heal this week. And what's looming for the Cardinals is a bye after this game on Sunday against the Seahawks. And there has to be some temptation to roll the dice with Colt McCoy against a Seahawks team that seems a little overmatched. The problem is they're desperate. I think you I think you want to stop the bleeding and get Kyler Murray out there if you can. Agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I, I guess if they won last week and they were a one loss football team, I might feel a little differently. But uh, again, you know, like like we talked about, uh in the in the NFC, you hit it just a few minutes ago with Green Bay and, you know, NFC championship game, you know, January thirty first. It's gonna be, you know, the ice bowl out there in that type of uh environment. Like that that to me has gotta be a little bit you know, in their mindset, you the one seed I think has some real value in the NFC this year. And I mean, Arizona going to play up in Green Bay with maybe a ten degree game. Uh, I don't like the sound of that, even though I think Arizona is more talented than them. You know, so I'm with you. I, I think I would if, if he's close. We're say let's say I don't know what you put the number at eighty five percent or above. Uh, I'd like to see Kyler Murray out there. You're right, just to give your team a little positive vibes and some mojo going into the break and uh, he can have some time to recover after that. That's the other side of it, too. If he comes out of it a little bit sore, if he aggravates it at all, he's got 13 days, 14 days until his next game. All right, speaking of the Packers, Aaron Rodgers does have a toe injury. He has downplayed it all week, but he didn't practice on Wednesday. He says he definitely will play Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings. And look, anytime we hear toe, especially after Patrick Mahomes Last year, with a quarterback who moves around, you have to wonder how this is going to affect him, how long it will linger, and will this be another situation where just days after Green Bay's season ends, toe surgery for Aaron Rodgers. Just something to keep an eye on. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's too early to assume it's going to be some sort of a chronic thing, but it, it popped up on the injury report when he came back from 10 days on the COVID reserve list. So it's kind of odd how it even happened and it was enough that it kept him from practicing yesterday. Yeah, no, I you know I, I don't remember a point in the game seeing him like limp or show anything like as far as that hurting. Do you, Mike? I I, I was like no, I was no. surprised when I heard. But about he this. had it going in. It when they when they activated him on Saturday, yeah. they added him to the injury report with a toe, but with no designation. So yeah. it's not like it was even one percent possible that he wasn't going to play. But it's there. And, uh, and, and you just wonder, and, and I don't know enough about the protocols down in these, these granular details about what kind of treatment you can get when you're banned from the facility because you're positive for COVID. I don't know if they can do treatment at his house or he's on his own or what, but I don't know. Maybe he needed more treatment on that toe than he otherwise got because he wasn't allowed to go to the facility. Yeah, I mean, toes are dangerous, like you said. It, it's one of those where I think, you know, a lot of people who maybe have not been around the sport, they just go, well, toe, who cares? You'll be okay. But, man, you know, when your life is moving around in those uncomfortable cleats and you're jamming your foot in there, 
Uh, it, it can be a real pain in the butt, whatever position you are. There's no doubt. And, hey, added to that, you know, your, your Vikings football team, they can pressure the quarterback a little bit. You know, you got to move a little bit. I mean, I, last time I checked, I think the Vikings are at least towards the top of football and sacks on the defensive side of the ball. So movement will be a little bit of a, a key issue uh, for the success of the Packers, the Packers uh, offense this week. The uh, Every time we talk about turf toe, I remember the first time I heard that term, it was in reference to Franco Harris in the 70s. And I just remember thinking, that doesn't sound all that Yeah, bad. right. Right. Turf toe. Yeah. I got a little turf on my toe. Like, yeah, no big deal. Uh, turf toe. It's nothing. But yeah, when it's your big toe and you're pushing off and you rely upon the ability to accelerate, you know, to play football, it can be a bit of a problem. Jared Goff has a bit of a problem. He has an oblique injury. He didn't practice on Wednesday. Tim Boyle running the first string Lions offense. Of course, they play the Browns Sunday. Then they turn around and host the Bears in the very early Thanksgiving game. I'm sorry. I'm skeptical about this one. I think that yeah. I think this is a, a trial a trial benching of Jared Goff so they can see whether or not they need to ride with Tim Boyle going into the one game a year where people actually give a crap about the Lions on Thanksgiving. I I I mean I don't doubt it. I mean I don't look at it and go, "Oh no, they're not going to have Jared Goff." I mean, it, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know he's out there a lot of weeks. I don't even know he's out there. So it doesn't matter. You know, again, I, the one thing Jared Goff does bring to them is, yeah, he's played some football and, you know, he can have games or at least he doesn't, you know, he takes care of the ball. But he certainly doesn't make any plays or give the offense any juice in any capacity at all. So they're, they're all about the run game there. Obliques are tough as a thrower. Of course, you know, that rotation of your upper body, uh, that, that's a nagging, annoying injury too. I've, I've pulled my oblique once and yeah, it's one of those where you're just like, man, it's it's three weeks and I still feel this thing a little bit. Like, what the hell? Um, but, you know, I, I tend to lean towards you, too, that there might be a little bit of a, yeah, yeah, you're not totally 100%. Let's, you let it heal. Let's give this guy some reps and let him, you know, work with the, the, the first, first team offense this week. And if it goes well, then it's Tim Boyle next Thursday against the Bears. It's that simple. If it doesn't go well, it's Jared Goff or maybe David Blau. And I, I wish I could have been present for – the conversation between Lesney, the GM of the Rams, and Brad Holmes, the GM of the Lions, who had worked as the director of college scouting for the Rams. You know, hey, okay, here's what we're going to do. Matthew Stafford's coming to L.A. You're going to take Jared Goff. We're going to give you an extra first-round pick to take that god-awful contract we never should have given him off the books. But can you do me a favor? Can you act like he's good? Can you act like you wanted him? Can you play him? <laughs> Can you play him for 2021 uh, so we can make Mr. Kroenke think, you know, we actually didn't completely and totally screw up when we paid Jared Goff. So anyway, uh, hey, we knew what Jared Goff was. The Lions knew or should have known what Jared Goff was. I'm not stunned. They're 08 and one. And I know I've seen some some old tweets from people suggesting that Goff was going to be better in Detroit than Matthew Stafford was going to be in Los Angeles. But, but at least this weekend, Goff was 0 and one. And, and Stafford was Owen. <laughs> he got him this weekend. At least for yeah, one day. Right, right. But I think that's the extent. Does that's that end the, the streak for Goff? Does that end the streak that he got a tie, you know, without Sean McVay? Still hasn't won. He still, still hasn't won. won without Sean McVay. But he hasn't lost every game without Sean McVay now. So, that, yeah. That is such a sad statistic that in a career that began in 2016, he has never won a game when Sean McVay was not 
his head coach. We'll see if he can get a win against the Browns or, more importantly, the one day of the year when we voluntarily watch the Detroit Lions Thanksgiving Day. Can they beat the Bears? Let's take a break. The matchups for Week 11. We'll do that draft when PFT Live continues right after this. Simsisms. Get go. You know, he's had tremendous support around him on the offensive side of the ball since get-go. They were they were ballers from get-go. Get you did it twice. <laughs> I don't know. I let the first one go, but then you did it again. And well, I'm thinking, does he think it's the, the phrase is from get-go? I don't think it's from get-go. No, it probably is not. I mean, what are you? Of course. I mean, if you got to guess, I probably said it wrong. You know that. <laughs> Simsism. And, uh, boy, it seems like we have more of those than we can actually cram into the program. I know there's one or two that popped up this week. All right, week 11 matchup draft, Chris. I will admit from the get-go, I haven't really prepared for this one. I usually do. I usually remember to make some notes. I haven't. I decided consciously I'm just going to wing it. We'll see how it goes. Okay. You go first so I can have some time to pick uh, one or two matchups. All right, cool, cool. The first one I think that jumps out to me, and we hit on the Cowboys Chiefs a little bit. I'm going to go like Tyree Kill uh, versus, versus Diggs, you know, as far as that matchup. We know the Cowboys like to play man-to-man. You know, how much will they play man-to-man in this game? It's a little scary to me. You know, Diggs, of course, is, yes, an unbelievable ball-hawking corner, but he'll give up some plays. And, of course, this is Tyree Kill. So I'm just interested to see if or when or how much they match them up against each other. Um, and we know, like Mahomes, yeah, he got back on track. But, you know, there's been a few times this year where we've gone, oh, we think he's back on track, and then the next week it's less than. So uh, that's one that jumps out to me. You know, it's a little bit matchup within the matchup. And I got to think I gotta think Dan Quinn's got to be a little careful about playing too much man, which he likes to do. Uh, because he he doesn't have that guy, in my opinion, that can run with Tyree Kill. The first one for me, and it goes back to something we've already discussed. I've discussed it all week. I'm fascinated by this wrinkle. Ron Rivera versus Cam Newton for the first time ever. Ron Rivera coaching a team at Charlotte that isn't the Panthers for the first time yeah. ever. So Rivera versus Newton, for all the reasons we've already discussed, he knows Newton so much better than the coaching staff there knows Newton. So as they're trying to figure out how to use him, Rivera already has him figured out, and and I just think that that's going to make that game. Not that it was one of the center of the radar games for this week, but it really pulled it a lot closer once we understood those dynamics. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, it definitely took that game to another level now that Cam Newton's playing. And, of course, that I mean, just you want to watch Carolina just all together to see how they use him and what he does. And, you know, we do, we do know – He's a great leader, can add a spark to a football team. So that's what will be cool there, certainly. And, and what does Rivera know or do to, to Cam Newton to slow him down? Um, all right, the next one, I'm going to go to two units that, you know, you know me, I love O-line, D-line play. The Eagles offensive line versus the Saints defensive line. The Eagles might be the hottest running team in the sport right now. The Eagles have – just some straight-up killers on their offensive line. With Mylotta at left tackle, you know, Landon Dickerson, the center from Alabama who they've made the left guard. Of course, Kelsey, Jason Kelsey at center, right guard. I can never remember his name. He's number 63. And then, of course, you have right tackle Lane Johnson, 
who is as good as they get. I mean, the Eagles have been playing the right way for their football team the last few weeks, the right way for Jalen Hurts. They stopped trying to make him run the Phillip Rivers Chargers offense and started just play to the strength of their team. It's made them dangerous. But this is a week where it could be different because the Saints are just they're, – they're, they got more big boys and physicality on the defensive line than just about anybody in football when it comes to the run game, let alone they have a sledgehammer of a middle linebacker in Demario Davis. So I'm excited to see that. I think that's going to be one of the more under-the-radar, intriguing matchups. Like, you know, the Saints, yeah. To me, they're going to continue to be fighting in this playoff picture with them. You know, I still look at the Carolina Panthers. I give the Eagles an outside chance. The 49ers, I think we see what they're capable of. I think they're all in the mix there, and these games are going to be very important. This one's going to be very important. You mentioned the Ravens as a team potentially on upset alert at Chicago this weekend. This is, all due respect to Chicago, this is the last easily winnable game on Baltimore's schedule really the rest of the way when you look at at what they have left. But, and they had their mini-buy to get ready for this one. But what did we see a week ago? We saw heavy defensive back blitzes, safety blitzes, 38 different times a safety or a defensive back went after Lamar Jackson. So Lamar Jackson slash Greg Roman versus Sean Desai, the Bears defensive coordinator. How is that chess match going to play out? Are they just going to keep doing it? Keep go. Keep just send them. Send them until... They show us that they figured out a way to deal with it, or do they factor that into the planning and say they're going to expect this? So we're going to zig while they zag, or zag while they zig. Yeah, and and they're going to play right into our hands. They're going to think we're going to put the guys up at the line of scrimmage like they're coming, and then they're going to fall back. And whatever Lamar Jackson was planning to do to avoid it, we're going to be there with an extra body to maybe intercept a pass. So I, I think that it was so extreme last week yep. with the Dolphins blitzing no Lamar Jackson. Yep. That that angle hovers over this game on Sunday. Yeah, it does. It definitely does. I'm mad you said it because it was going to be my next pick. I mean, it really was. That's, that's, that was what I was going to go with. But you're right. To me, that is, that's a little bit of a scary game there for sure because of that. And the Bears' defense is good. We know that. They are. They're very good. And it's not a great, as great a Ravens' defense as we're accustomed to seeing. So, uh, But that will play a big part in the game altogether. All right, I think – you know, I'm just going to go to tonight. I think tonight, again, I, not that it's the sexiest game of all, but I, I do want to see what Bill Belichick does to stop Kyle Pitts. Who's he going to match up with him? Is he going to go all in on double teaming him on third downs? You know, Or is he going to try to get a Kyle Duggar who's a really big, strong safety just to try to match up with him? Or a Joe Jawan Williams who they drafted out of Vanderbilt a few years ago who's a big, long corner? I'm just I'm interested to see the approach there, and of course, like we talked about, I think Pitts will be the guy that Atlanta wants to go to because he's the most marquee player on their offense, other than Matt Ryan. All right, I'm gonna sell the Sunday night game, even though plenty of big names may not be playing. The Steelers' running game, specifically Najee Harris against the Chargers' yeah. rush defense uh-huh. with no Joey Bosa, no Jerry Tillery. Uh, Bosa, although, could come back because he was a close contact, but he's not practicing all week. That stadium that's going to be overrun undoubtedly by terrible towels. And and if you don't have Ben Roethlisberger, you got to rely upon the rookie yeah. to move the chains and maybe get that win and get the Steelers back on track as they uh, recover from that early season mess that they were in. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Thursday edition of Pro Football Talk Live right after this.
Super Bowl 51 in Houston, 28-3, if you haven't heard. And back came the Patriots systematically. That was a moment there when Dante Hightower forced the fumble on that was Ryan. It. The, the field goal range that uh, wasn't the just and, – and it just kept going. The great catch by Julian Edelman. Unreal. One of the all-time great Super Bowl catches. What? Keeping it going as the Patriots pull off the victory in overtime. It was so impressive that I didn't even stop to say, hey, this whole overtime thing, when you score the touchdown and walk off, the other team should have a chance to possess the ball. It was so amazing they pulled it off. I didn't even make that argument that day. No, it, it was. It was amazing. It, just the magic of Belichick and Brady, like unlike what we'd ever seen before. Uh, yeah, definitely one of the most shocking outcomes in a Super Bowl Falcons, yeah. You know, you're right, though. To me, the Dante Hightower play was maybe the play of the game because even if Atlanta punts that ball, it's going to be hard for the Patriots to go down and then go down again. Time was running low. The fact that they got the short field really saved them. Speaking of time running low, we're out of time. Enjoy the rematch of Super Bowl 51 tonight. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Chris will be asleep. See Happy ya. Thursday. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.